0: Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Woman podcast, where I reveal the power of your heart to create leadership impact and cultivate confidence for the life you want. I'm your host, Glynn Bailey, and as a corporate finance leader, executive coach, entrepreneur, and author, I know all too well the challenges that prevent female leaders from claiming their seat at the table. In this podcast, I talk all things to do with self-leadership, sharing stories insights and guidance on how to ultimately get out of your own way to live a life in alignment with who you are. When you begin to see the impact that you can have no matter where you are starting on your journey, life becomes one huge adventure. I'm so excited that you are sharing the journey to unstoppable with me, so let's dive right in. Hello and welcome. And let me introduce you to my guest this week, Dr. Ali Young. Dr. Ali Young is a health professional empowering mothers. She's a chiropractor, a podcast host. She's the creator of Unfuck Motherhood, a speaker, mama of two kids, a non-exec board director, and a wannabe Beyonce backup dancer, which I absolutely just love. But I'm going to read out her bio because she is a force to be reckoned with. And I think you're going to get such a significant amount of insight from this interview about the journey of unfucking motherhood. Dr Ali Young is on a mission to help mums to reclaim and reset their health and their life to rediscover their joy, self and health. Having begun in private practice in Perth, she quickly began to work with many mums and children and this was back in 2003. She went on to complete her master's level paediatrics degree in addition to doing her chiropractic degree and through this avenue of working with more and more children she also began to work with more and more mothers. The stress load of life became highly apparent to her and how it could easily negatively impact not just health but the mums and family's enjoyment of life too. Ali became a mother for the first time herself in 2012 and with her husband, she then moved to Malaysia as an expat mum in a foreign land. This radical shift from a very busy business owner with her own practice to a mother with a minimal support group really highlighted the importance of understanding the motherhood journey, matriescence, and the power of intuitive self and education. After several more moves, this time as a stay-at-home mum and as a FIFO wife and mum, throwing in one more child into the mix as well. Her family ended up living in South Korea for two years and that's where the concept of unfuck motherhood really took off. Combining her love of all things neurology, research, stress management and chiropractic with her personal motherhood journey, she has created an online community, a resource hub and courses for mothers the world over. Dr. Ali continues her private practice in regional Queensland. And having worked with thousands of mothers in over 18 years of clinical experience, she's passionate about allowing mums the opportunity to regain their health, their joy and their sense of self within their motherhood journey. Dr. Ali is so real. This interview was just such a joy to experience in conversation with her. It's messy in that we've both got challenging sound backgrounds, me with my puppy barking, Ali with her kids interrupting. But that's what I loved. It's just real and raw. And what you get is an honest journey of what motherhood should be about and what she's here to do in terms of unfucking the motherhood journey and helping more women really fall back in love with being a mum, but also being able to understand themselves too. So without further ado, Dr Ali.
1: Thanks for having me, Glenn. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Oh, I I feel like every time I have a guest that I'm in, I'm in this little fangirl space, which <laughs> which stops me from being really cool, calm and collected and thinking, yeah, I want to sound like this podcast host that really knows what she's doing and instead I'm um, this blubbering mess that gets that, is that gets awesome
1: on. on my podcast. <laughs> I like I'm like um okay so this isn't normal Ali this is
0: <laughs> yeah this is fangirl Glenn so
1: I'll, I'll try and do
0: my best to calm myself down and get myself into into the flow. But Ali will you do me the great honour of telling me and my audience a little bit more about you.
1: Yes so My name is Ali. I am a chiropractor first and foremost. I graduated, well, I got into chiropractic through a personal journey story about um, it solved my foot pain. Um, After three visits, I was 15. I played a lot of sport. And I lived in a very, very small country town. And I went to the Cairo because there was no podiatrist and no physio. And my dad used to go there. And um, three visits later, and they didn't touch my feet at all. And my it was just like, okay, my feet don't hurt anymore. This is amazing. This is what I'm going to do with my life. And so I went to uni with a really strong like vision and purpose of I want to go and help people because I've always been that person. I'm just going to close my door. Hang on. Real mum life right here. That's and um, so I went to uni in Melbourne and moved away from the country town, and that was pretty awesome. And in that time, I had been influenced by people like Winston Marsh and John D. Martini, and like big picture thinkers had come into my sphere because they sort of hang around. Lots of Kairos love that stuff. So I moved to the other side of Australia. Um, I got a job halfway through my final, my fifth year of uni, and they were like, hey, to come to Perth and I was like oh yeah that's great I don't know anyone there but yeah why not uh, so literally just grabbed a girlfriend and we drove from Melbourne to Perth over five days didn't think like we were 23 right we're like oh we won't need to book accommodation no one will be doing that huh so we like slept in our car in a caravan park one night we like took all my bags out and put it in my on the ground outside our car and hoped they were still there in the morning when we woke up. um Yeah, it was crazy. So we got to Perth, found somewhere to live, started a job, and knew that I was home. Like I just mm-hmm. I loved it. And I walked into a busy practice. I took over from someone else and didn't really stop. So for three years I worked for someone else, and then my best friend, who's a chiropractor, um, who actually took my original job over from, she was like, do you want to come and buy in and work with me? I was like, wow, sounds great. So then for, I think, nine years, eight years, we owned our practice together. And in that time, she had... One one second. Now, you've
0: just had to close the door because of your children. My puppy is going nuts outside. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not quite sure why he's barking, so I'm just going to pause one second and I'll be right back. go the joys of puppy life in lockdown and oh, as soon yeah. as the door goes he decides that he's going to be the greatest guard dog <laughs> I love it oh my goodness so yes yeah, yeah. you were back in yes. Perth you were staying overnight in your camper van and then you decided to go in with your friend who said yeah let's do a practice together yeah,
1: yeah. and she went and got pregnant like three months after I bought in which was great like it was we always knew that that was on yeah the yeah and um and she had triplets. Oh my goodness. I know they're now just a 14. Must have been a year after I started. Anyway, not long. And um, yeah, so we went on this massive journey of who we were as individuals and how we could make it work. And um, and she was back in the practice for four hours a week when the boys were three months old. And I was like, you don't have to. She's like, No, I need to. And that was my first realization around how mums can lose themselves in mothering and multiples is just a whole nother ball game and how we need often to have something else that is us as an individual. Yeah. Um, And so I got married a bit older, like 32-ish, one, two, and got pregnant straight away and um, sold my half of the practice and moved overseas and had a baby all within 12 months. And it was, yeah it was a massive massive life change and um yeah so then lived expat mum life for a few years so we lived and, what prom- and what prompted the move overseas oh my husband's job so okay. he works in oil and gas and yeah. at that point he was working on commissioning rigs and boats and stuff that were going to different parts within australia So, yeah, he worked for Shell in Malaysia building something. I'm not sure what. And then um, he worked and then he did fly and fly out. So then I would move back to Australia and he would do three weeks overseas and three weeks at home. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I had like a one-year-old. And then um, he got a job. We moved back to Gladstone, which is where I am now, because, one, he's from here. He grew up here. his family here. But it's also where all the new gas plants are. Right. in australia yeah. so he can work from home which is great um so then he worked here and then an opportunity came up to move to south korea and we had two kids by this stage and we went and i'd opened my practice again so oh i got itchy goodness. palms my palms were like gotta get <laughs> back to work ali because <laughs> i can't work when we're overseas it's too mm. hard to get yeah and um so i got back to australia started working again just two days a week which was like nine till three yeah. And then my in laws looked after my kid. So it was perfect. Yeah. And then moved to South Korea for two years. And um and what yeah. was that like? Awesome. I yeah. loved it.
0: Oh, really? It. I've, I've never been to Korea or South Korea. And I'm yeah. just, it's, I have to be honest, I can't say it's somewhere that's top on my travel list. It wasn't
1: t- top of my travel list. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, when my like? husband and I were dating before we were married and we'd known each other, by the time we got married, I think we'd known each other 10 or 12 years. So it had been a long time. And, um, and he'd, like, lived overseas for long periods of time and then he'd come back to Perth and we'd hook up again. And then um, eventually he stayed. But um, he lived in South Korea then for 18 months and he'd do eight weeks in Korea and two weeks back in Australia. So I would fly up to South Korea and visit him. Wow, so- okay wasn't totally foreign like it was a different part of korea that we were in but it wasn't like we moved there knowing that it was going to be hot really hot and really cold that they didn't really speak english and koreans really hard to learn and stuff but there was a beautiful expat community Mm. and so this mum tribe all of us per chance had kids the same age oh that's lucky so we all sort of just Got our little tribe of people, and away we went, and it was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I think So two years there, and then you came back to Gladstone, and then we came back to Queensland. Yeah. And while we lived there, this house came up for sale that we bought sight unseen because um, of where it was. It's like 150 meters to the beach. It's the smallest. T- I, I live in a tiny house. It's like a part. It's smaller than our Korean apartment, and um, <laughs> we did have a big apartment in Korea, but still. Um, and this is where we live in our in our little. Blissful corner of COVID-free, lockdown-free Australia.
0: Oh, amazing. Oh, my goodness. What an adventure that is. One, just having the guts to go and move across the other side of the country. I mean, I know it's still Australia, but it's a long way considering (laughs) considering the size of the country. And then to have to have the expat life where your own career is essentially put on hold for a period of time while you focus on motherhood and and the family and then recalibrating yourself to to find something for you again back into work how did you manage that constant disruption to your own work journey and then being a mum
1: that that must have been an interesting time so I completed my Cairo degree which is five years undergrad and then at the end of my first year of practice, I saw a lot of children. I was like, you know what, I need to do a master's in paediatrics. So I started that journey. And it was based somewhat in Australia, but the research component at the end, your supervisor was in Wales at the University of Wales. And, um, and so that took me, I think, six and a half or seven years to do. So by the time I got married, I'd just finished that master's in paediatrics about 18 months before. And I had, I had this inkling that I wanted to, it's so funny, online teach um, chiropractors about working with children, which is now such a common thing. And I told my friends, like my chiro friends about it. They're like, no one would want to do that. Everyone wants face to face. And now I'm like, oh, maybe I should have done that. Anyway, <laughs> not listening to that nudge. And um, so when we moved overseas, I actually um, began coaching new graduate chiropractors because I couldn't, I couldn't be in practice myself, but I could help other chiros up their skill set and up their communication game in talking with families and working with families and stuff. So yeah, and I did like research reviews, and I would still present at conferences. So when we lived in Korea, I. Flew back to Australia and left the kids at my mum and dad's for a long weekend and flew to Perth and did a three-day conference I presented. And so I still had it in there. It was still going. Yeah. So talk to me about nudges. So
0: you've just mentioned you've ignored one nudge, but you're doing something quite different now, not just to your chiropractic work, but you've got additional, I would say, how would I describe it?
1: (laughs) purpose that's deeper it feels like it's coming through yes absolutely and the reason that it does I don't know I just last year was a tricky year for a lot of people like 20 yeah and I was in practice and I had so many broken mums coming to see me they were stressed they were fatigued and they just hated their mothering and their motherhood journey like it just wasn't healthy for them they didn't know how to get out of this it was like a rut that they were in and the stress and trauma of the world being so heavy on top of the lack of support because everything shut down yeah and they were coming in saying this is fucked it's terrible i hate it and i was and then it just was like I can help these people but helping them one-on-one I can help a very small amount every day yeah. helping them what I can help them with I'm sure I can't put my hands on them and do my cranial work and get that ease back in their system physically but I can help with all that other picture which is a huge part of it yeah yeah so, so, so tell us,
0: yeah so tell us about unfuck motherhood because for, for this transition into from your chiropractic into the online space of helping mums essentially unfuck their motherhood journeys yes. and fall back in love with themselves and the journey of being. Being come up. Yeah. yeah. What was what were the kind of problems that you were seeing come up? Because I know a lot of my my audience will be executive working women mm. that will have children managing very stressful jobs yeah. with environments that are high pressured, high expectations for delivery and performance. Whilst, as you've said, navigating the last 18 months where there's been extreme levels of uncertainty, a whole heap of fear homeschooling all of this week yeah all the things to run the household and and keep that container safe for for their own families what were the kind of common problems that you were seeing being presented in terms of the questions they were asking or the pain points that they were experiencing that you just thought, Oh my goodness, I've got, I've really got to deal with this, this area.
1: Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that hit home for me is the societal pressure to be the perfect mother. And it's in literature, it's called intensive mothering practices. Um, It's called intensive mothering practices or the perfect mother myth. And it's how us as a society have driven our mothering and our motherhood to look a certain way and be a certain way and so that has been building up over time sorry that's all right oh celebrity spa salon and makeover doctor is what we're getting on our ipad right now glenn this fantastic. is fantastic working mum life <laughs> it's ages four plus there we go no more please close the door till close the door you
0: haven't touched id
1: Close the door, please. Thank you. Um, so good example, right? We have, yeah, we have um, this expectation that we can do all of the stuff that our kids need us to do all of the time. And that if we don't honor everything that needs to happen in all facets of our life at the time where outside-in influences think they need to happen and we're a bad mum and we're a bad person. And that actually can change neurologically the way our brain fires. So if we have that constant load of stress and trauma... Can you hear my dog? Sorry if you can hear my dog. Yeah, that's okay. Um, (laughs) He wants my bacon. Um, We can... That overload of stress and trauma actually causes our system to think it's more stressed at times where would be low stress. So it winds it up. It becomes sympathetically dominant and we become more reactive and our level playing field is at eye level rather than at chest level. We don't have that beautiful resilience and adaptability because we're functioning at this neurologically heightened level all the time.
0: So you're basically saying that you're in a kind of forever state of flight or fight yeah where your adrenals are firing you're getting yeah. stressed and it's happening at a subconscious level because your body's yes. carrying a level of trauma from all of this pressure from yeah. outside exactly right wow yeah <laughs> oh my goodness and it's true right because we yeah. do have this i'm i'm not a mum to a human baby but 1st yeah, really, mum Yeah, I'm a fair mum. But what I do see in friends that have had children and even people that I've worked with is this pressure to to be everything. And if they've got time away for themselves, then there's this sense of guilt of oh my god, am I actually putting myself first? And I should I should be putting the children first or my family first or everyone else's needs ahead. And I see it with even the women that I work with from an executive level. I focus on self-leadership but the self-leadership is often the the last thing they're focusing on because they're going oh no I've got to lead for others first you know rather than for myself and it is it's a fascinating journey to see how much the outside society influences how we show up for ourselves in our bodies in our own minds in our homes it's absolutely yeah it's very
1: it is it's and for mums It's also the judgment factor that if you choose yourself and if you choose yourself first, well, then you're obviously not being a good mum because that choice, it's one or the other. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this massive misconception that we can actually have both. Research tells us that we spend 50% more time with our children than the mums of one generation ago. One generation we've doubled our time with our kids. Wow. Yeah, and is. yet we are probably carrying mum guilt that we don't spend enough time with them. That's and insane. Isn't yeah. it insane? Yeah. Yeah, so the working mums, like I, I'm i lucky, I think, being a chiropractor because I can choose my hours and I own my practice and I'm in an air. I'm going to put my dog out so he stops working. No problem. Hot. First <laughs> child problem. <laughs> um, I think the kids have bacon too. Um, and so... Where was I? So in, <laughs> I was too busy
0: concentrating on the talk now. Going out. So you were talking about. Oh my God! I'm having a brain fart myself. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> so you had
0: you are flexible in choosing your hours because you have yes. your own chiropractic, your own your Actually, own. So So
1: I can choose it. So I do school drop off four days a week um, and there's only one day where they go to before school care. I finish, I only do two late afternoons a week and I have three afternoons where I can like run them to sport and do all that kind of stuff. And I've also created, been blessed with, so thankful for a tribe of mums too. So one day one mum picks one kid up one kid up and takes them to gymnastics and then my mother-in-law lives in town and so she does a pick up and a look after the kids another day so I'm really lucky that I've been able to curate like that environment and so it's from a position of privilege that I say that you know we can do both and we definitely can but even for me who knows the things, who has her five pillars of motherhood down pat. She knows that she's got to look at all of these areas to be a whole person, to show up for her family. I still will go a month where I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't go to the gym today. Like this whole month, I didn't go to the gym. Mm. because my life gets busy there's kids that get sick and stuff like that as well so we have to give ourselves a break I used to beat myself up then about that and I'm like no this is just life and we make our choice and our choice from today is to do it differently
0: yeah absolutely so what's your aspiration so with unfuck motherhood it's essentially you're doing a program to help mums navigate the journey of motherhood and finding sort of clarity back to being able to enjoy the journey to to overcome some of this external trauma and society expectations and also give themselves permission. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we go through a six-week journey together and in the first week it's um, all about society and expectations and even looking at how you were mothered and how that reflection is maybe impacting on your mothering choices. Are you choosing subconsciously the same way? Do you catch yourself saying things in your own mother's voice like I do? Um, do, Mm. How is that influencing the choices that you make? Because I think if we can bring an awareness to that for women in the world, then they're going to just be mind opened to that they have choice. Because at the moment, so many women don't even realise that they can choose their own adventure when it comes yeah. to mothering. Um, and then we go into neurology because I'm mm-hmm. a brain nerd. Yeah. And um, so we spend a week knuckling down on the way the mother brain works, how our brains change, how we are gifted extra pathways when we're pregnant, that people go, we get pregnancy brain. Actually mm-hmm. our grey matter has shifted. So we have a better ability to connect to our child yeah. and that stays with us forever. So it's a shift in brain function um, and how when they develop and go through their stages, our body responds differently too. So all of that, how we can influence our brain and what keeps our brains healthy. And then we move into a module around food and nutrition and coffee and alcohol and all the good stuff. And then we move into exercise and we do a week talking about how we can move our bodies to nurture ourselves. And then we go into values yeah. and how your value systems have shifted and how you have gone possibly from value systems here pre-kids mm. to value systems here post-kids. That's not my kids. <laughs> and um, I was like, that's a baby. <laughs> um, and, and that I know for me there was a massive disparity because I thought I was failing in the mother thing because my values had changed so dramatically mm. and it was just a i needed to work through that on my own and so helping mums to do that and how that can look and how that can look in a fun and joyful space yeah we wow. play back into our worlds and then from there we go into reviving it so we come up with a plan of attack basically
0: oh it sounds amazing can yeah. i ask based on the work that you've been doing and the women that have come through your program, also, I guess, with, with the combination of your practice work, hmm. what's the effect on women that you've seen had that you didn't even imagine that it could have with the work that you've done, but that's yes. just absolutely blown you away and gone, oh, my goodness, I haven't even considered this, and this is what someone's experienced or, or had as, an, as a result.
1: I, I think you sort of touched on it before, Glenn, actually, with the – Ability to recognition, recognize that they can give themselves the permission to yeah. do what works for them and it's not making them a bad mother. Yeah. So I've had women who've come on and they say, I've been a mum for six years and this is better than any wine night with my girlfriends, Pilates retreat, anything, because I feel like I've come back to me and my essence of myself. And I'm like, oh, and this is from That's like high-flying lawyer mums and um, yeah and I think it's that it's the ability to give mums their self-confidence and self-awareness back that they've got this that their body's got their back and we just need to nurture ourselves so we can nurture the world around us
0: yeah I think that's so so important I think there's definite synergies with the, the work that I do in the same way where it's about being able to be true to what you need at an internal level. Being able to understand your own narrative, understand mm. the, the the patterning that we've got that says, "I've got this pressure on myself," and actually, where is that coming from? Is it really mine to carry, or is it from outside yeah. of? Is it from outside of me? And I think when you touch on the fact that we're spending, uh, mums now are spending more time with their kids than they've ever done, fifty percent mm. more. I can relate to that because I look at my mum's journey and obviously not having children of my own, but my mum was a single parent bringing up two children on, on her own. Yeah. So she had to work. And I remember yeah. the amount of times that I'd be like, oh, can you stop working? Because she, she'd basically have a separate uh, room at the back of the house where she would soak. So yeah. she was at home so that she could she could take care of us by being physically in the same, same space. Same home. yeah. yeah. But um, she didn't have the, the money for having sitters or, 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 or people to take care of us on a long-term mm. basis. So she 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 bought the sewing machine. So she, she used to be in a factory. She came back, worked um, at home with a sewing machine. And so she'd be at the back of the house and we wouldn't see her. So she'd you know, sort out breakfast and then she'll go off at say eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then we might see her at lunchtime. And if we're lucky, we might see her sort of, Around four o'clock, as she might come back in just to get a bit of a snack. And then we'd see her at dinner time. And then she'd have an hour with us at dinner time and we'd help wash up. And then she'd go back and she'd be working till 11. And the amount of time, oh, it was insane. Yeah. at times where we'd just be as kids going, oh, will you play with us? Or can you play a game and can you do something? It's just it just wasn't something she had the capacity to do. She was like, well, I can either play with you, but who's then going to bring the income in? So at a young age, I know I was certainly exposed to where you've got to be able to be independent and stand on your own two feet, because if you don't, then nobody else is going to take care of that for you. And as a child, whilst that was a huge amount of responsibility take Mm. on, I think coming into my adult years is an appreciation that she, through her needing to do what was appropriate. So she wasn't necessarily choosing herself, but she was choosing what was appropriate for the circumstance. Yeah. And if she was carrying the guilt of, oh, my God, I've got to play with my children as well as trying to bring home the money for the family. Yeah she'd have been in a much diff- much more difficult situation. Whereas I think what we're seeing now is this environment where we're potentially providers for our families in terms of incomes, so that the need for dual incomes because life's just so expensive and we're, we've Absolutely. got so many so many things around all of the things, I guess, society's led us to believe we need and
1: where we're spending oh, it and all I of feel that like pressure. that's one of the biggest things too. It's like getting rid of all the stuff yeah, that we think we have to do as mums. Um, yeah,
0: totally, totally. So yeah. I think the work you do is super valuable, and I think there'll be a lot of people recognizing that there is a story that they've got about how how they should show up. And I I yeah. often believe, and it's 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 part of the work I do around where people focus on people pleasing, yes. and it's this sense of going, well, if we condition other people to believe that their happiness depends on what we do for them, then we're leaving them weaker and we're leaving ourselves weaker because all of a sudden we're saying your happiness depends on how I show up and my happiness depends on how you show up for me. And we've given our power away to each other when actually, you know, even as a mum, like my mum couldn't have this beautiful spotlight over me from the moment I was born to, this present day and go oh my god yeah like you know if if she was holding the spotlight for the rest of my life going oh my god my beautiful daughter and look I've just got to own how amazing you are like that's just not realistic is it like if your own your own mum can't do that and I don't think it's expected that they should do that why do we find the need that we have to hold that kind of spotlight for other people as well and I think we definitely get caught into a trap of people pleasing because we think that's what we should do rather than the reality of actually if we all condition ourselves to self-love give ourselves time and energy for who we are then our ability to help others actually increases by default because we're full we're we're exactly we're whole yeah absolutely so Ali one of the other things that I wanted to talk about is you're currently writing a book aren't you yes tell me more about that
1: so it's in three parts it's working I don't know if I'm allowed to say it's working title. Anyway, it's in three parts and it's yeah. about, um, it's for mums. Yeah. And I'm imagining that it's going to end up being pitched to working mums because that's definitely the frame that I come from is, yeah. and my husband works, he's out of the house at 5am and he's lucky to be home at 5.30 in the, at night. Mm. So he's like, he's not here. So his hours are massive. So having to frame that and get life happening around that is I think part of what's driven me for this work too. Mm. Um, And so we have, it's about you as a mother and the exploration of your sense of self, who you are, what makes us who we are, the neurology behind that and the neuroscience that drives that. And then the exploration of, well, if we can get a handle on us, how does that go into our motherhood and how that shift into the motherhood sphere and stress and overwhelm and then how we can move that into life and how we can actually integrate this into the normalcy of a big life as a mum doing what we love to do and being there for our kids at the same time so i guess it's a it's a going to be a little bit of a how to guide yeah. but also it's going to have a lot of evidence base in it and research to back all the stuff out to
0: yeah I would imagine that's going to be a read that many people will be craving because I think this this as you said so many motherhood myths that are there Mm. and especially because so many more of us are are working so it's that sense Mm. of going and I see it in the work that I'm doing where I'm essentially helping more women take their seat at the table have more of a voice be more more um aware that they have the capability and the skills to be able to do the 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 top jobs but so many women because of the the family journey because of the actually I've got to put my kids first or actually if I'm doing this job then actually it means I'm not Mm. I'm not able to do mum life well there's a lot of women that opt out and I think if we could find a way that gives us all permission to have the the courage to have the conversations that are needed in Big corporate environments that say, "Hey, like this is what my motherhood journey looks like, and this is what I know I need." And therefore, yep. how can we have a conversation that changes the expectations of women at the top versus yes. their ma- their male counterparts? Yeah, because they are but, different.
1: And absolutely,
0: we bring such
1: different skill sets yes. to business, and I think that that's what gets forgotten about too. Over yeah. my years, I've sat on three different boards. I've sat on a registration board for chiropractors as one of only two women, and I've sat on the Chiropractors Association in WA governance body, and I've sat on the College of Chiropractic Pediatrics. Yeah. and um, And it's interesting because I never had thought about it. I'm currently on a board which is all females, bar one, um, and we get shit done. Like yeah, you know, great. we prioritise our time. We know when things happen and it gets happened. When we were on the male-dominated boards, it was a talk fest. and, And then when things needed to get done, they'd automatically look to the woman on the board because you could make it happen. So, And I was like, yeah, but that's now, retrospectively, that's not right. At that time, I was... Uh, Mid 20s, yeah. super passionate about it. I just like, yeah, I-, I can do that. So, yeah, of course. Yeah. and you take yeah. it on and you just do it. And I think that the way that boards work and companies work in that regard need to get looked at quite closely too, because yeah. it's accepted that the men have the big ideas and the women do the work, is what I see it as. And that's not true. I'm the no. big ideas person. Yeah. <laughs> I have this brain that goes at a 1,000 miles an hour and I get to work every morning and my support staff are always like, so what are we doing today?
0: (laughs) I love that. I love it. it. And I love that I've found
1: people that can support me in that journey and we're all mums bar one. And we all bring different skill sets. So, yeah. Yeah. But raising awareness of having that
0: conversation, I think, is part of it because I don't think (laughs) women at the table – would have the knowledge to have those conversations without understanding some of the work that you're doing around actually what, what makes them different yeah, as moms versus absolutely. pre-kids and then what skills do they have? I know I know that I'm trying to think back now, which piece of research, I forget the, the name, but I know there was a piece of work done which indicated that when women were coming back from maternity leave, that it was better to put them in roles, which had a high level of people leadership focus, especially if you had a poor performing team, that when yeah. returning from maternity would do much better in turning a team round and raising the performance of that team because she was so tuned into her body and yeah. that ability then to connect with the team around her that she would succeed in that whilst her brain then readapted to sort of the mental work that's needed to do sort of yeah. more, you know, analytical yeah. type work and that's other problem solving. Mm. Yeah. I and I just thought, oh, isn't it interesting when women come back from having their babies and then they're mm. in these mental heavy work, analytical roles that they might have to be doing and then going, oh God, you know, I've still got baby brain or whatever yeah. that's supposed to mean. I have no
1: idea, but. Well, it's such a myth. Yeah. There's this beautiful neuroscientist called Dr. Sarah McKay, and she does a course called In Her Brain. And it's a neuroscience course based on her book, The Woman's Brain Book, which is, I have to say, like one of my favorite books. It oh, is
0: awesome. So
1: good. And she talks about the myth of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yes
0: yeah oh it's good but it's but it's useful to understand but if you kind of go if if you're seeing that women are so connected to their bodies at that point and you mentioned earlier just that ability to connect with their children therefore that does flow on into how you then lead your lives and how you connect with others I'm going oh my god there are a lot of dysfunctional teams out there in the world yes (laughs) get get a strong woman that's connected to her body after having a family and put her in there because she's going to be able to just do what is innate in her, in her being at yeah. that time. Yeah, that's
1: correct. And her amygdala responds differently too. So the amygdala is a part of the brain that is like the noisy person in the back seat that shouts at you if something's not right. Yeah. And, it, and it reacts differently once we've had children. And so it responds acutely to our own children, yeah. but it's less responsive. I think I'm right here to external influences so your more ability to have Even. that calmness as long as you're not functioning in that super stress mode. Yeah. Um yeah, is phenomenal. Oh, wow,
0: that is yeah. absolutely fascinating. Oh my yeah. goodness. Oh my goodness. So, Al, tell yeah. me what should people know that I haven't asked about you and your work.
1: Oh. Um I guess the main thing that I want people to know is that they have all the answers within themselves our body is this beautiful innate healing machine is not the right word but entity that has the ability to do everything that we ask of it yet we often are either not aware how to ask the right questions of it Or how to allow it to function for whatever season in our life we are to support us. And that's not just support us physically, but to support us mentally and emotionally as well. And it's this beautiful journey within motherhood is that our seasons change and our body responds accordingly. But that doesn't mean that you're broken. And it doesn't mean that you can't do things anymore. It just means that maybe we do it differently. We need to honor that. But it's absolutely amazing. And you've got that power within yourself to do and be the person that you really want to be.
0: Oh, I love that. And when you say ask questions that you don't know how, can you give me an example of one question that Someone can start start with first to just say, yes. look, if, if I've never done this before, I've never asked my body
1: a question and this is completely new to me, where yep. would I where would I start? I would start much like what Carrie did at our retreat with sitting quietly. An exercise I give to all my mums is we sit and we put a hand on our body and we listen to our breath. We take our breath in and out super slowly and we go, what do I need today? -hmm. And for some mums, like for mine, just said water, which is very true. Mm -hmm. Um, And for some, it will be calm, for some, it will be fun. Often, mine screams dance at me. <laughs> I love that! And if anyone hasn't,
0: um, I will put I'll put your unfuck motherhood handle on. Oh
1: my gosh! Yes. Handle
0: on this um, show notes so that people can yes. follow with you for your crazy reels because I
1: love them. <laughs> oh man, they're fun. Um, but I think that the intuitive sense that our body always knows the answer is really we get told not to listen to ourselves and to listen to the experts, experts in inverted commas that are out there. Mm-hmm. For so often as mothers, we know the answer, but we think that can't be that easy. I need to get, I need to get reassurance that I'm making the right choice here. Yeah. And, and I, my goal is that mums regain that sense of confidence that intuitively they do know the answer. And yes, there's, health things where no we don't or counseling support where we need counseling support but really you you've got this inside mm-hmm. and um and it's just a, the ability to unlock whatever's blocking that connection again and get back to yourself yeah cheers
0: yeah. It's like tuning in, yeah, isn't it? You've got all of yeah. these different radio stations, and there's got so yeah. much noise, and you're like, right, I'm in that station and that station. Actually, what you want is your own and,
1: own station.
0: Yeah, and you're tuning yeah. into that, and you've you've got the frequency right, and you just go, right, yeah. that's it. I can I can hear myself now, and I don't yeah. need to. I don't need to worry about all of this external noise because yeah. actually I've got, I've got what I need. I love yeah. that. We and had, what- um,
1: we had a late night last night. The kids didn't get to bed till eight o'clock and this morning I woke up at, I know five or something and I waited for the sun to start coming up. I went and did, and I could feel they were both a bit like there were one was awake and she'd woken up and I'd been in to see her. And I was like, can you just turn your radio down? It's a bit loud, ironically, frequency. And <laughs> um, and it was I was met with a, a roar. And I was like, mm. oh, right, so we're overtired this morning. So I retreated. Mm. And I went and I found an energy yoga that took me 15 minutes. And I just went on my veranda and I did that. Mm. And I came inside and state changing is the ability to self-regulate and state change. I think as a mum is really important. Like sometimes when my state's amped up, I'll fall into yelling mum because they're yelly because they're tired or they've eaten food that's not great for their systems. And um, whereas I got them out the house, we got barefoot on the beach and literally within 30 seconds of being there, it was like their whole body just went, <sighs> yes. yeah, as did mine. And it was just the ability to intuitively go some mornings I let the walk with the dog go some mornings I'm like today we're tired we're gonna have a busy day let's just get our state set right and I think yeah. that sort of learning that leaning into I knew that that was the answer was really it, is really important yeah
0: yeah I love that and where can people find more of your resources so, yeah. if, so if they need help what would they start
1: and where can they find they can find me at www dot which is D R. A-L-I-Y-O-U-N-G, or one word. Um, and I'm very present on Instagram um, at unfuck underscore motherhood, but missing a U. So it's U-N-F-C-K because otherwise I wouldn't be allowed to have that name. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, that's where you'll be able to find all about me on there. And there's lots of links in my bio. I have sleep guides for mums who need to be able to get themselves to sleep better so not for the kids but for the mum as a free resource on there at the moment which is a really beautiful resource actually that I love and I'm opening the doors to my next six-week mama reset on the 23rd of July and I'm really excited about that so amazing oh
0: well I'll make sure I put that in the in the show notes so that people can access your resources I think it's been a phenomenal opportunity just to learn more about your world. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. And I love how real it is. The brain fart moments, the kids
1: yeah. going nuts, the dogs <laughs> going nuts. But, but this and but this is it. behind me because I've got a staff lunch today I'm picking outfits. I was like, but, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's all
0: good, but it's just it's just real and that's what it's about. There is no yeah. need to let me just no. polish myself just so that you can feel more comfortable. You know, yeah. it's like no no, let's, um,
1: and let's just be me <laughs> to keep it more real by the time I got the kids in bed and sat down I was like oh so I had six party pies for dinner and a glass of red wine last night so if that's <laughs> not real mum life I don't know what is <laughs> oh I absolutely love you <laughs> it is real but no judge but no judgment I don't care what no, no, no. is no absolutely just I'm eating a, a salad for breakfast so you know it's balanced yeah.
0: You're yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll have the most magical time. Thank you so much for being on this show. Thanks for I having really fun. look forward to catching you. I appreciate again. it. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Oh wow. What an epic conversation. If you're with me to the end, thank you for listening in at all of the the craziness that was in that podcast, as well as all of the fantastic goodness in Ali's wisdom. Her program launches on the 23rd of July, which is the same day that this podcast comes out. And I will put the details of her Unfuck Motherhood, the Mama Reset six week program out in the show notes, if you are interested in learning more about that, but also so that you can check out Ali's free resources. She is one unstoppable woman making a huge contribution to the world. And I'm so honored to be able to have had her on my podcast and to be in her proximity. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did having it with her. And I look forward to connecting with you again. Thanks so much for listening to the Unstoppable Woman podcast. The path to the future you want leads from your heart. If you got value from this podcast, please leave a review and share it with another woman who you know would benefit from it too. We need more women claiming their seats at the table. Until next time, live your truth and be unstoppable.